Remember what I told you, Forrest. You're no different than anybody else. Did you hear what I said, Forrest? You're the same as everybody else. You're no different. Your boy's different, Mrs. Gump. Now, his IQ is 75. Well, we're all different, Mr. Hancock. The state requires a minimum IQ of 80 to attend public school, Mrs. Gump. He's going to have to go to a special school. Now, he'll be just fine. What does normal mean anyway? He might be a bit on the slow side, but my boy Forrest is going to get the same opportunities as everyone else. He's not going to some special school to learn how to retread tires. We're talking five little points here. There must be something can be done. Is there a Mr. Gump? Mrs. Gump? He's on vacation. She's the pea to my carrot and my very best good friend. It's Elizabeth Gomez. She likes shrimp kebabs, shrimp creole, shrimp gumbo, pineapple shrimp, lemon shrimp, coconut shrimp, pepper shrimp, shrimp soup, shrimp stew, shrimp salad, shrimp and potatoes, shrimp burger, and a shrimp sandwich. It is Adrian Gunn. Oh my God, I'm so hungry now. And this is Wokefield, where two middle-aged comedians realize they can cry actual tears, but only if Forrest Gump is on. And it has to be the part where Forrest realizes he's a dad and terror hits his eyes and he asks if Forrest Jr. is smart oh my god <laughs> I, I mean, honestly I think it's more because I was like uh it's terrible to be a parent I'm so sorry about your future Forrest <laughs> I also love that all of a sudden I have this southern accent that came out of nowhere <laughs> inspiring each week we watch a classic film from the 80s or 90s and talk about how having your best friends be fictional really fucks up your ideas about how to be a person Mm -hmm. and today we're talking about Forrest Gump which was the biggest movie of 1994 bringing in over 329 million dollars and winning Oscars for best picture best director best actor and best adapted screenplay there was also I think one for editing but you know it was getting long (laughs) the film stars Tom Hanks the best damn movie man in America. And I swear to God, if he's ever me too, it's over for me. It's over. You know, I will tell you that there were moments where I was like, I think he's really hot. Yeah. And I hadn't felt that way about him since Bosom Buddies. Yeah. So it was really like, wow, you're getting me all hot for us. Can't wait to hear the, this moment. <laughs> it's a moment. It's a movie about a simple man from Alabama who goes on to unwittingly have an extraordinary life, meeting presidents, inspiring Elvis, and even giving us the gift that is Bubba Gump Shrimp Company at Navy Pier. Oh, Honestly, God. I feel like our Instagram fans, all 300 of you, are clamoring for a picture of you and me at yes. the Bubba Gump Company at Navy Pier. Is it still there, though? Is it still there? Did it survive COVID? I mean, I, that's. If it did, we're going. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of COVID, um, you know, uh, we've been having some some problems uh, this week because we were supposed to have Maya on the show, who yeah. we love and adore. I yes, Chicago better, Maya. comedian Maya Houghton. And um, this week, she is not going to be able to be with us because she is not feeling well. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, we had a we were recorded different, completely different movie last week. Yeah. And then our guest also got sick. Yes. Um, so you guys, you're going to have to roll with us today, just the two of us. Yeah. And we're going to go through this film together. We're still going to have a great time yeah of course i i think we should talk a little bit though about why we book our guests the way that we do i would love to because i think you do a really good job at that 
Adrian, my yeah. very good best friend. Yes, it is definitely <laughs> true. I mean, when this podcast started, I was like, I'm going to order these Sweet Valley High books and I'm going to start a podcast. And you were like, well, I'll do it too. I'm bored. And we started, right? And you made the podcast so much better because I was like, I know these like lady comedians. They're all white people. <laughs> <laughs> You were like, or we could like, we could do better than that. Yeah. I mean, I think it's really important, especially now. I mean, I, I've always thought it was very important for diversity, equity and inclusion, blah, 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 for all sure. the corporate speak. Yes. But also, you know, it's really fun to like talk to people who don't have the same backgrounds as we do and has like a different perspective on the films that we watch or the books that we read. Yeah. And I think that um, overall that mission has been. Uh, one of the best parts of our podcast because it's always fun to hear like everyone's like growing up story and like yeah. their family dynamics um, just to realize that we're all actually just humans <laughs> <laughs> we're all the same and so different yes I mean you do a really good job of making sure and I think it's what's made our podcast really good is that like when we sit down to talk to people they don't have the same backgrounds as we do and we have different backgrounds so yeah. it makes the discussions way more dynamic well I also think that's what's special about our friendship mm-hmm. I mean we do have not only like really different backgrounds but we also have very different versions of what growing up is like and what being an adult is like yeah and ironically or not ironically but also very like symbolically about what I was just saying about like we're all human Mm -hmm. we actually have a lot of um, adult experiences that we now like even go back to about our childhoods yeah that have run the same theme throughout both of our lives despite our diversity despite the fact that we're different and despite the fact that we came from such different backgrounds and I think that is so special Mm -hmm. and I'm so excited to do this show with you today my very good friend my very best good friend (laughs) and the last thing I want to say about this is I think you know we also when we pick movies and we pick guests we try to find guests that can speak to things that could perhaps be like blind spots of ours or like you know I know that Forrest Gump I've heard is a movie that people don't like anymore or that it's like sort of cancel based and I'd heard I'd ask people like why is this and I'd heard that perhaps it was like a race thing so we were like we need to get a person of color to like help us talk about that because obviously what I might experience as racism or think is race is is not racist or okay someone else might not you know think that at all and educate me about it so the point is is it's never going to be perfect but like we are trying we are definitely trying yeah well and we're also trying to be really like this so last season was all sweet valley high which was all about like these like white girls in high school yeah and um this season even in selecting our films we were trying to figure out films that were going to be diverse in culture for sure age and like um you know in this case disabilities and so i think that we do really try to do that um and I'm, I mean, I'm just really excited about what we're trying to do. And I hope yeah. that people will continue to follow us and yeah. rate and review us on oh, Apple's, shit. <laughs> Apple's oh, iTunes. Shit. Well, anyway, and we love Maya. We hope you feel better. And, you know, she'll come back. Yes. We'll have her another time. Yes. But and she's super hilarious. And I have so much to say about Forrest Gump anyway. Yes. So it'll be fine. Just All right. me. Let's go. Let's okay. go. Okay. So I turned it on and I believe I texted you this exact thing I wrote down, which is Forrest Gump sitting at a bus stop and telling his life story to anyone who will listen. <laughs> First of all, I will tell you, I was like, I mean, I know I, I use this phrase a lot. Typical white guy. Yes. <laughs> Like, this guy does not give a shit no. who's listening to him no. or not. And 
I was like, you are a total dick. Right. It's like, is it an IQ issue or is it just the white privilege of a fucking man? He's right. like, I'm at a bus stop and this poor nurse is sitting there and he's like telling her all this shit. She's clearly trying to read a magazine. He does not give a fuck. He's going. He's like, I like your shoes. She's like, my feet hurt. At every turn, she's like, please pipe down. But you know what? This is the movie we're going to follow. This right. is the story we're following. And it also starts with this stupid feather that I was like, you know what that was from? It's a fucking visual metaphor. Joy Luck Club also had a feather opener. There was like the whole swan feather. So when I saw it in Forrest Gump, I was like, I fucking, I'm like, this is so stupid. Yeah, you know what? (laughs) Katy Perry saw this movie and she was like, do you ever feel like a plastic bag flying through the wind? That's uh, Ready to start again. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the other thing is like, uh, enjoy Luck Club. At least they like bring the feather back. The feather comes back at the end of this. Yeah, but there's no point to the feather. That's not true. It's okay. a visual We'll metaphor. go on. We'll go on. We're going to yes, recap, recap, A recap. feather comes flying down from the sky, and it hits Forrest, and he looks at it. He's like, oh, cool, feather. He puts it in his Curious George book, because he has a little suitcase of memorabilia for the trip he's going on, which we don't know what it is yet, because we have to go back in time and meet Forrest as a little boy. Yes. Yeah. And um, also at the bench scene, the openers also are very, very, very famous line. Life is like a box of chocolates. Yep. Yep. <laughs> you never know what you're going to get. Yeah. You know my what? mama always said. It is my dream to write something that people that like people love when it starts and then it just becomes like fucking a total <laughs> joke. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I show I, me the money. <laughs> like just to write something. Just one liner. Like everybody everyone... knows what it is. And then they're like, that's a terrible thing. <laughs> you, um, you had texted me after you saw this movie and you were like, I cried and I cried again. Yes. And I was like, when I f- opened it, you're like, what did you think? I was like, wow, it came in hot. Because the first thing that we see yeah. about Forrest as a young person yes. is that he's been named after her KKK member. Oh. And I was like, uh, what? It's tough. <laughs> yeah. No- it's Nathan, tough Nathan Bedford Forrest, who also for me was a special moment because <laughs> this... <laughs> This last spring, um, Adrian and I took a trip down to go see our friend Taylor mm-hmm. um, in Nashville, where they do have the ugliest Nathan Bedford Forrest statue that's ever existed. Yeah. It looks wacky. But they took it down. They took it down. Yeah, so we didn't get to see it. Yeah, but we can put it on our Instagram because yeah, you guys yeah, are yeah. going to laugh so hard. It is a perfect depiction of like what I think KKK members look like. Yes, and I was <laughs> shocked that our boy Forrest was named for this evil man. Yes, yes. And then but this in, with the times because it's like the 1950s. Yes, and then yeah. this is this is at this point. You know, we see uh, Forrest and he can't really walk. Well, he's getting braces on his legs. He's in Greenbow, Alabama. Not a big place. He's getting braces on his legs. And his mom, this is important. We'll come back to this, keeps telling him, you know, you're the same as everybody else. You're just as good as everybody else. I did love when these like old men on the street are like looking at him, get his fucking foot stuck in a grate and he's got these (laughs) braces. And she's like, if God wanted us to all be the same, we'd all have braces on our legs or something. Yeah. <laughs> so. She's got a real point of view. I mean, you know, Sally Field, she's a warrior. Yes. Well, then we move into the really next really hot thing that yeah. happens, which is where Sally Field is trying to get uh, Forrest into school. Yes. Which is like our opener. So um, she's like, he needs to go to school here. And the principal's like, no, he's not going to school here. Yeah. And then she's like, wink, wink. 
let's make this happen. Yeah. And then the next thing you do is you see Forrest on a swing outside while his mother's being banged by the principal of the school. How disgusting. What. And Mr. <laughs> Hancock is like the grossest banger. We don't even have to see it. We just hear it. He's <gasps> you know, just making terrible sounds coming from the window of their like giant house. Well, and the best part is after he's done like sleeping with the mom, yeah. he comes out and says something to his son, yeah, he says, to Forrest. He's he, like, your yeah. mom's real special. No, he says, your mom sure do care about your schooling boy that's what he says it's awful yeah i love that you memorized every line of this film I, this is not the first time i've seen it i know <laughs> okay so anyway then forrest meets his very his the love of his life jenny on a bus which is also pretty famous like he's coming down the bus and everyone's like can't sit here sights taken and she's like you can sit here if you want and she's the she's a very beautiful little girl she's very whoever cute whoever that is yeah. yeah so they become friends um yeah. and during this time this is also where we get introduced to like how Forrest is living this kind of magical life yes. because with his braces and his mom um they, they basically are running a boarding house yes. he meets Elvis but then you yes. know it's just because we don't have to go through every single one yeah throughout the whole film he's always like kind of stumbling into these like uh, situations these historical events where he's impacting history yes like yes like kennedy um yeah. watergate yeah. all those he things. teaches elvis how to dance because his braces make it so his legs can't move in certain ways and so like elvis is like well man show me that move again boy <laughs> and then next thing you know it cuts elvis is on tv correct doing the moves so jenny and jenny and forrest become friends Best and they friends. start hanging out together yeah. here we go we're introduced to the next Tra traumatic thing we find out that jenny doesn't ever want to go home because her mother is dead yeah. and her dad is a child molester basically yes, it's not good and forrest is so ignorant of the whole thing he's like oh and jenny's dad is always kissing and touching the girls and it's like mm. ew. it's like yeah it really is one part of the film that i felt like really not charming at all i don't think it's meant to be charming. no i know but i mean i think that they're supposed to like play off this like idea of like pedophilia in a, in a like oh he's so innocent and like doesn't really get the concept mm -hmm. idea and I found that a little I, I that turned my stomach a little bit so Jenny and Forrest yeah. end up being really good friends because Jenny never wants to go home she Dear ends God, up make me a bird so I can fly far far away from here <laughs> this whole podcast is gonna be Adrian acting out the film <laughs> let's watch Gone with the Wind next I'll do my Scarlet <laughs> So then uh, Jenny and Forrest, they end up hanging out together all the time. And of course, they become good friends. Yes. Uh, Forrest is being picked on by bullies. And this she's is a like big a, scene coming like up. She's like a protector. I mean, I think, you know, as you're saying, like, I don't think it's meant to be charming. And I, I hear what you're saying. I think also, though, it's like our introduction to the fact that Jenny is like deeply wounded. Yes. Right. But she's she's kind of Forrest and also like tries to protect him. Right. Which is basically her big advice through the whole movie is that he should run away from danger. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> and then speaking of, this first scene is like, this is when Forrest's life completely really starts to change. Is that this is when he kind of discovers his like magic abilities. Yeah. And um, these bullies are chasing him. He starts to like, he's obviously going to get hurt because he's getting hit by these rocks. And Jenny's like, our favorite line, run, run Forrest, run! run. <laughs> so then... Forrest starts running in his braces, and as he's running, the braces like slowly popping <laughs> off left and right. You know? I fucking love it. And then, next thing you know, he, he's a teenager, and the bullies are chasing him again, and he runs straight onto the football field and becomes a football star. As he would. <laughs> right? I fucking love it. I fucking love it. I don't care. This is movie magic at like the <laughs> highest 
fucking love it. So he becomes a football star and he goes to college at the University of Alabama. And like they, it's like they hand him the ball and then he just runs and no one can catch him. Yeah. Jenny's at school at an all girls college, but Forrest just shows up there. He takes a bus over there all the time to see her. And she comes in like she's in a car and a guy's getting too handsy. Forrest fucking hits him, which is like a repeated theme. She brings him up to a room lets him touch her boob yes yeah and uh her roommate is in the room yeah. she basically is like trying to sleep with him and then the roommate's like what is happening yeah and he's like i think uh ruined your roommate's robe <laughs> <laughs> anyway you know so then he joins the army yes yeah and ends up getting sent to vietnam yes he meets bubba his very good his best, very best good good friend, friend yes. yes and then uh that's also where we get introduced to, to lieutenant dan fucking love who is like lieutenant dan it's gary sinise right yeah yeah he's so he's so great and everything he ever does i always love yeah. seeing him perform so then uh they're in vietnam and they're looking for the guy charlie which again i think like ugh, i didn't like that at all well see these are interesting i think things to talk about we can talk it more in the discussion about reflecting what was happening in those times like versus like in 16 candles when it's like clearly it's not reflecting times it's like this is rape and this is like racism yeah this is just fucking awful you know but i do think again it's hard because i am not a person of color so my reaction is perhaps different than someone else's but to me this movie more reflects like you know all these people are being assassinated you know like all these presidents and martin luther king and like it's it's really showing you like what the times were right and that's the shit they said when they were in vietnam so i'm with you it's not good it doesn't make me feel good yeah i I think i think that well we'll get into it so then they go he goes to vietnam then vietnam happens he sees jenny a couple of times because she ends up working at a strip bar after being in a playboy magazine yeah and then um she basically is like get out of my life forest i don't ever need you in my life and he's like oh she's like like suicidal she's like on drugs she's like being a hippie yes and then they're in vietnam and they get ambushed yes and so forest starts saving everyone he's saving lieutenant dan he's saving everybody in the platoon and he's saving bubba but bubba dies it's really sad that's very that's that seems very heartbreaking yeah. and you know at this point they're like very best good friends yeah. i mean it, it really it really was like and um i think his his line was like um bubba was my very best good friend and even i know that you can't find that right around the corner yeah. and i was like that got my heart i didn't cry but i was definitely like i know those feelings because i also really very strongly believe in that good friends are hard to come by and their relationship was like very sweet they were going to start a shrimp boat together yes you know (laughs) and again we'll talk about this more as we get to it but like the people that Forrest meets and has relationships with are like super important because you know if he had met other people it would have gone a lot different. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, so he gets the Medal of Honor and he yeah. starts playing ping pong and he yes. sees Jenny and Jenny's like at, at a She's rally. There's like a big, <gasps> there's a big Vietnam, anti-Vietnam rally. Yes, it, this is where. Let me for you. It's an anti-Vietnam yeah. war rally. Yes. And um, there, Gump gets like kind of swept up as a speaker for yes. this rally, even though he didn't mean to do that because he was yeah. there touristing. And um, even during his speech, they like, somehow unlock all of his so he never gives an opinion actually about what the vietnam war meant to him or didn't mean to him and uh jenny comes running through 
the the mall. <laughs> the National Mall through the water. And I definitely cried at this point. Like when they, he's like, Jenny? And he comes <laughs> running down the stairs, breaking through the crowd. He's wading through the water. She's in a long peasant outfit. It's, you know, dragging behind her this dress. And they reunite. And the whole crowd explodes in cheers. And I, yes, I was. <laughs> you know. I was totally the opposite. I was like, oh, here's this bitch again. <laughs> I really, the first. I will tell you that the first time I ever saw Forrest Gump, and many times afterwards, I never thought of it more than just like this beautiful love yeah. story. But like as an adult who's been through things now, I'm like, I don't. She is toxic. Anyways, we'll go on. I'm with excited her. to talk about that. So yeah. then they meet the fucking Black Panthers for a minute. He beats up another one of her shitty boyfriends. She fucking yeah. leaves, and then he's that's a, that's where he goes. Um, sorry to ruin your Black Panther party. Yeah. <laughs> I did think that line was kind of funny. Yeah, I also like when she's getting back on the bus and her boyfriend's like, come back to Berkeley with me. He's like, she should go to Greenbow, Alabama. (laughs) It's ridiculous. Anyway, so then she goes back to Berkeley and he's like, it's time to get my shrimp boat. So he buys the shrimp boat and... um, Well, before he buys the shrimp boat, Lieutenant Dan finds him. Yeah, they meet up in New York and they have like a little party. Lieutenant Dan's in a bad place. He's lost his legs. He's in a wheelchair. He's like depressed. And, um, you know, and then he's nice to Forrest. They have these two girls. One calls him stupid. Lieutenant Dan's not having that. Yeah, he did not like it. Um, He does not... He's... As much as he despises and resents Forrest Gump, he really also loves him. Yes. And so Forrest goes off, buys his shrimp boat because he does an ad for a ping pong company. Mm-hmm. And then um, as he's shrimping and like learning to do it, which is not going well for him, no. uh, Lieutenant Dan shows up and says to him, he's got the, I got the letter that you sent me. Yeah. And I told you that if you ever bought a shrimp boat and were captain, yeah. I'd be your first mate. It's fucking adorable. Lieutenant Dan is sitting up on the mast. He has no legs. He's got fucking, you know, like he looks like Axl Rose. Yeah, he's got like, like long fucking hair. bandanas in his hair. You know, he's got no shirt on. He's fucking best life. And then a hurricane comes. Well, the forest is going by on the boat. Sees Lieutenant yeah. Dan. He's like waving to Lieutenant yeah. Dan. Then jumps off the boat. Yeah. And the boat like takes off. And he's swimming to Lieutenant Dan yeah, with no one taking care of his dock. boat. Yeah. It's I, great. I, I, very slapsticky. I was it's into that. Great. I love. I love. I love a falling moment. So <laughs> there's a hurricane. <laughs> yes, where which brings them great fortune and good luck. Yes. And like now they have all this tons of shrimp. Yeah, because all the other shrimping boats have been destroyed. They're the only one because Lieutenant Dan survives the hurricane on the top of the mast with no legs. The boat is fucking swaying back and forth and going crazy. And there's like storm and he's fighting God. I mean, I love it. I yes. love it. And so he makes peace with God. They become fucking rich as shit yes. from bubblegum shrimp. And I want to remind the audience that, that, that all of this is happening. We're learning all of this while Forrest Gump in present time is sitting on a bench. Yeah. <laughs> so we're yeah, going yeah. through like a pretty epic story. Yes. And then after that, he becomes really rich. He does some things around the community to help the community. It's lovely. He, he gives the half of the money to Bubba's mom. Yep. It's just and takes beautiful. care of yeah it takes care of Bubba's family which is great and he takes care of the the college that he went to he and gets things for the hospital he's awesome yeah. um and then here comes that bitch Jenny no not yet first his mom has to die oh please which is sweet. I mean, it sucks, but like he goes home. So they're sitting on the boat. Someone calls and it's like, Forrest's mom's sick. He jumps right off the boat again <laughs> and it's like swimming to shore. So he goes home. His mom, Don's just a pot of living, Forrest. Yes. Sally Fields dies. And, and she, on, on a Tuesday. Yeah. Well, Jenny's going to die Tuesdays on a with Sally Fields. Yeah. <laughs> 
so anyway, then, so it, during this time, we've seen Jenny in many different places. I think she's like fucking on acid and she's like up on standing on like a cement wall of a balcony looking like she's going to fucking throw herself into the traffic. I mean, she's like going through it. She's yes. suicidal. She's with terrible men. She's like a drug addict. So clearly something's happened and she's decided it's time to go home to Greenbow, Alabama. Yes. And then, you know, Forrest, of course, is so happy because he's yes. like, Jenny's here. I have all this money. Everyone's taken care of. Everything yeah. in my life could not be more perfect. Yeah. And then the last night that he she's there, he asks her to marry him. Yeah. Which is like the saddest scene because she's yeah. like, you don't want to marry me. Yeah. Which I also feel very connected to because I definitely was like, I'm a piece of trash. Never marry me. It's sweet. And he's like, I'm not a smart man, but I know what love is. And then she comes in. She bangs the shit out of him and then yes. leaves in the morning. She Fucking can't deal with it. Bitch. She flees. She flees. <laughs> so then... Forrest is so sad he runs across the country for three years yes. and starting America's obsession with running. <laughs> he makes some bumper stickers. I mean, whatever. Anyway, then he gets tired of running, gets the letter from Jenny to come see her in Savannah. She comes. He comes and sees her in Savannah. This is why That's he was why on the, the bus. bus. Yeah. And this is why this whole story has happened and yes. unfolded. He runs and goes and chases her and he goes to her house. He's like, hey, Jenny, what's up? And she's like, I got a scrapbook about you. And she's like, but by the way, I didn't mention that I was pregnant with your kid. And he's been like three years old now. <laughs> yeah. So the kid returns home. Haley Joel Osment, by I know. the way. So cute. So cute. He returns home and Jenny's like, this is actually really sweet. She's like, this is my son, Forrest. And he's like. Oh, his name Forrest too. And she's like, he's named after his daddy. And he's like, his daddy's name Forrest too. <laughs> she's like, yo, his daddy. And then the acting there. Come on. You didn't cry? I did not cry. Oh, yeah, I was I like, this is so dumb and I hate her. I was so mad. Oh I was God. so mad. I was like, look, you've been teasing this dude all the not teasing, that's not the right word, but like you've been coming in and out of this man's life, knowing how much he loves you, knowing how much he cares, and then like you're gonna drop this bomb on him from fucking nowhere. Which she like, does because she has AIDS. Correct. Yeah. So she is really not a great person. Well, she has AIDS, so she needs some help. So they go back to Greenbow to the house with for Little Forest. They get married. Lieutenant Dan shows up with his new wife and his new legs. Yes. Yeah, yes. Which is and of great. course he married an Asian lady. <laughs> I, was, I was like, it I makes sense. Like, <laughs> I noted that. I thought you might have some comments. Yeah. I was like, this Vietnam, is, was this she Vietnamese? I, I don't they know. didn't really say, I don't yeah. think. But anyway, yeah. so then um, Jenny basically dies. Jenny dies. <laughs> And then the movie's Jenny. over. Well, the movie is not over <laughs> because then Forrest has to take Forrest to Scoo, to the Scoo Best. And then he opens the Curious George book. The feather flies back out. Brrr, you know, and he's, also our bus driver is still the same age she was her. when Forrest was a kid. Don't care. She's so cute. <laughs> she's the best. She's so she's campy. Like, this is the boy, the bus to school, boy. Um, anyway, they Forrest and Forrest are both like, I love you. Forrest is being a good dad. Yes. It's fucking sweet. And now he's probably going to die of AIDS, <laughs> like later in the future. <laughs> I, I did think about that a little bit more than the previous times I've seen this, which was like, when did she get the AIDS? Was it during the drinking and drugging? And like, was it before she fucked Forrest? I mean, I'm telling you, this is like, I was like, Jenny is the worst person. All right, fine. Let's right. fucking talk about if Jenny is the worst. <laughs> Let's do, uh, to be honest, I am surprised you don't have more compassion for Jenny, who is like horrifically abused yes. and like clearly running away from being yes. abused. And I would say her treatment of Forrest to me is her trying to protect Forrest from how terrible she is. 
I, I don't agree. I okay, think she, I, I, well, I, well, here's what I'm going to say about Jenny is I think that you can be traumatized and have a bad history and yeah. things have been wrong and you can still be an asshole, yeah, which I think is like course. a hard narrative to, to, to live by. You know, like it's just like not a great thing to say about anybody who goes through any problems. But I was like, Jenny is really the worst. <laughs> I mean, she's just like she's like popping in in his life. And then like when he comes to protect her or whatever. I mean, I guess there's another thing with Forrest is that like maybe you should leave Jenny alone at some point but she's still like always pulling him in always pulling him in for what she needs and what she wants that's like not accurate though because he shows up like the way I would say structurally the way that they set it up is so it's not that way she never is reaching out to him she's the only time is when she comes home after she almost kills herself but prior to that when they meet at the National Mall it's just like a coincidence right and like prior to that when he comes to see her at college again it's like him but she could have saw him at the National Mall and just shut up like she didn't, she didn't have to say anything. Why would right? she like, do that? Well, I'm just saying, like, there's this something that she, friend. she very much needs something from him. She definitely wants something from him, and that's like constantly the story. And I she, don't think so because she never whole, takes like, his money. It's a whole like saver thing, right? But like she doesn't take his money. She doesn't like she sees him on TV being famous. He gets the Medal of Honor, and she's never trying to take those things yeah, from him. Well, she does when she decides that she's sick, and then like all of a sudden she needs something. Well, because Forrest has to be with Forrest. But she went like I, I I just think she's terrible. I will say this is that I when I watched it as a kid. I definitely fell in love with this whole story because I love a romance that never really happens and then eventually happens. Like being torn apart was like, oh my God, you're torn apart. You're two lovers who just need, I mean, this is indoctrinated into us when we're young kids and we have to deal with Romeo and Juliet, right? These two cup, like two people who just work so hard to be together and cannot be together. And then you kind of realize that all those people are dicks. Like Romeo and Juliet, like that's not a great story at the end. And I don't think that Jenny and, and Forrest are a great story at the end. Well, one thing I thought a lot, about um with Jenny and Forrest right is sort of like Forrest is you know he has this low IQ and it's this is clearly like a crafted story right like he just kind of stumbles into things and like things work out for him and like that's great but we don't really see the parts of like the real ramifications of what having a low IQ that he has would be in terms of like a day-to-day relationship you know, this is real. I was telling uh, one of our, our fans, Coco. Mm-hmm. Hey, Coco. <laughs> Hi, Coco. Hi, Eric. Um, <laughs> we were talking about this last night. And one of the things that Eric said was actually a very interesting thing where he was like, he's like, I don't know. I don't like this film because like, you, can this guy even consent to having sex? And I was like, what? I mean, I think and it, he and it did can. make me it did make me think like, wow, that's that is true. I mean, he yeah. has no idea what's going to happen to him because no one's ever obviously talked to him about sex and no one's ever like introduced that concept to him yeah in the in the storyline well and i thought about too the moment a lot where um he says that lieutenant dan invested their money in some sort of fruit and yeah. now they never have to m- worry about money again and the fruit is apple computers and i just thought a lot about you know if he had met different people like he would have been really fuck- like a, a worse person would have taken all his money For sure. You know, and like, I don't know. I just, I have a hard time blaming Jenny, right? Because like Jenny was kind to him as a child and was always like protecting him and kind to him, right? But like, she's wounded. She goes off into the world. But like, as you would assume she would, like, why would a young girl like decide she was going to like marry Forrest? 
Well, I mean, I think that that's, that's a great question, but I also think like she was never, I think for everything that Forrest gave her, she did not give much back. I think that is 100% accurate. Yes, I do not de- I deny that at and, all. And she, I can't, yeah. I can't get past this idea that like, she knew he's in love with him. She comes back to him and because she needs something, right? She needs yeah. to be healed. She needs to feel something. Yeah. So she comes back to him and then she like sleeps with him and leaves and then comes back to him again when she decides like, she, you know, she's like, well, now I need something else. Also, I'm carrying your kid or I have your kid and I've been raising your kid without you. Like, I think all of those things are not great. I don't think Especially great. with someone with a low IQ who doesn't know, like understand what's happening. So it's like, but what? I think he does. I mean, it's, well, he does. He knows that he has a son now because he's there. <laughs> this is definitely, you know, a thing where it's like if we start breaking it down too much, everything starts to fall apart. Sure. Yeah. I will. I will also say that I, I think the film overall is very, very charming and super sweet. But I also at the same time feel like it's the story in the whole purpose of the movie is very terrible for example like I think it, it really pushes an agenda of like you can be just a regular old white dude and stumble on to having a great life while everyone else in the world is struggling around you but he's right? not regular but he I mean he isn't but that's like kind of the narrative like this you're just a white dude living your life and everything great can happen to you while Jenny on the other hand is having the worst life she could possibly ever have right and then on top of that, it's kind of like, oh, if you stick to these rules, like go to college, go to the military, go do this thing, then all these wonderful things will happen to you. But if you decide to go party and have a good time and explore your life and maybe have a point of view, then you get AIDS and die. <laughs> like that's Of course you're going to say this, because obviously Jenny is an Enneagram 7, yes, and, which you are. So you're <laughs> mad that she was like having fun and got AIDS. No, I... <laughs> I am glad she was having fun. I just think she could have been portrayed as like a better person. But see, I think that's what's interesting about it because she isn't that great of a person, right? And like, does why does Forrest love her? It doesn't matter who she is, really. It's just that he is like, she's his person. And it's the same with Bubba and it's the same with Lieutenant Dan. Like he attaches to people and those are the people. And I think it's this whole thing. One of the things I thought about a lot was, you know, that force is just sort of simple, right? He takes things at face value. And like the reason he's so great at the military and at Lieutenant Dan is because he's always like, these are the rules. This is the hierarchy. And I just do you're, the You're things. proving my whole point about the film, right? It's like, follow these rules and you will have this magical life. Versus Jenny, who breaks all the rules. It seems very clear to me. I mean, Forrest is intellectually disabled. That is correct. I think, you know, everything that happens is a a force of good luck for him. Because at every turn, it should have gone south. I don't know. I, that's, that's I think definitely... this movie has a lot to say about luck, right? Like he suddenly becomes a ping pong champion or he's suddenly, he meets presidents. But he's you're, in the you're, White House three fucking times. Sure, but you're saying luck, but then you're also saying that it's also because he's following the rules, right? Like, I mean, even the ping pong was like, hey, this is how you play ping pong. You should play ping pong. Everyone tells you exactly how to play ping pong and where to play ping yeah, pong. Yeah, I don't even know if I mean rules, though. I just mean that, like, Forrest doesn't have gray area, right? He has right and wrong, and he has love and not love, and he has, like, he just takes things at a face value. Whereas Jenny can't do that, right? Lieutenant Dan can't do that. Like, so they're much more complicated because they're, like, how, you know, we expect humans 
to behave like that, right? Well, I think Lieutenant Dan is forced in a position where he can't do that. Yeah. But originally, when he's first before the the uh, ambush, he basically is like, "My life and my fate, and this is going to be the way that my go. I'm going to go. Yeah. To the, I'm going to go to the to war. I'm going to like follow all the rules. Yeah. I'm going to lead a platoon, and then at well, the end of the day, I'm going to die there. Yeah. So he did. He was trying to follow the rules. Yeah. So he's put into a position with Forrest where he's like has to go. Is this worth it? What's going on? How can I shift my whole life? Yeah. Which I think Lieutenant Dan is actually a very interesting character because him. of that. Yeah. Plus, I also love like the whole scene where he's like partying because I'm, I just, I can relate. Well, <laughs> I would also say though that Forrest has Enneagram 7 vibes. He follows the flow. Yeah. You know what I mean? He just kind of follows the energy. Yeah. He's in the army. Like, we're not going to say that's not like structure. But then he like, he's like, oh, I'm good at ping pong. He does some ping ponging. You know, he's like, I don't know nothing about no shrimp, but he gets a shrimp boat and he's doing his shrimping. You know, he, is kind of just like, you know, next thing you know, he's at the White House. He's teaching, like, he's just sort of following the energy. And it does seem like they really want us with the feather to, like, have this discussion, which is about, like, you know, it's this visual metaphor of, like, flying on the wind and life is whatever. And then destiny. And he has a quote when he's talking to, um, he, Jenny dies and he goes to her grave and he says, I don't know if we each have a destiny or we're all just floating around accidental like on a breeze. Maybe both happening at the same time. What do you think? I I, I hated that. <laughs> Actually, I was, and I didn't, like... It's. I do have. Like, I know. I, I. I come across on this podcast like I'm not a romantic person, or that I don't what? have. <laughs> you do. You do sometimes try to take things from me <laughs> that are special, just and say, take them and ruin them. You take me. You make me look at it. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to have love, but you're like, love is not real. <laughs> I do think Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee. All that's right. real Let's love. Not derail. Let's not fucking derail. Okay. So, I mean, one of the things that I do believe in is I, I do believe in like some people have good luck and some people don't. I, that's a weird, weird thing Let's that I talk carry a lot. About yes. This. I mean, this is always the thing that I always deal with with um, some of the like traumatic situations in my life, and that I would never have the good luck for someone that I really was like traumatized by to just go away. <laughs> never happen it's always going to be like imprisoned yeah you know I'm never like a person who's going to be walking down the street and find like 50 dollars on the day that I need it those things never happen to me but um I I also do believe that it's kind of hard because the word destiny means that you're kind of fated to it but I do think you can be in charge of your destiny in a weird way does that make sense being like in charge of your destiny well I mean carpe diem (laughs) Shout out to our Dead Poet Society episode. I mean, I think this is the thing that that's very American to believe, right? It, it's it's tied to the bootstrap myth that like you have some sort of control over what happens to you in your life. And I, it's something I've been um, really thinking about a lot lately as I've been trying to find an agent for my book. And as the agents continue to reject me, it has forced me to like come up against some of my core beliefs, which are like, if you put the work in, you'll get something good out of it, you know? But then I'm like, wait, what if that's not fucking true? Like, you can do all the work, you can work really fucking hard, and you can do all the things that you think are going to make it happen, and it still maybe is not going to happen. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. I think um, 
it's been surprising for me to watch you go through that because I always feel like that I'd never had a destiny. Like I never had, like there was never going to be a moment for me where there was going to be complete peace and a success. It was like not, it wasn't ingrained in me to believe that everything Mm -hmm. that I, I was ingrained to believe was like work really hard so that you don't have to like live on the streets. Yeah. <laughs> like that that was as far as we could get in my family for like the idea of what success was going to be. As long yeah. as you can pay your bills, you are then successful. So for me, every like scrap that I get, I feel like, wow, this is another level. Like yeah. I've owned a house for now 7 years. Like yeah. whoa, that was not part of my life, you know. Yeah. I've been in a relationship for like almost 20 years, which I definitely didn't expect. So I think like Sometimes when you're set up to believe that that it's that it's that simple that you just work that hard. I mean, I mean, I guess it goes back to like the whole idea of bootstrapping mm-hmm. is that it's it's a fucking myth. Yeah. And, you know, we've talked a lot about this, I think, even just like recently, like because it's a space that I'm in where I'm like, I'm not a person who has good luck. Like it just feels that way. And, you know, I've taken to my bed a lot in 2022. <laughs> It's true. And we're only like a month and a half in. I know. But like, you know, I'll get a rejection or I got rear-ended or like, you know, I had a bad dating experience or like there was a leak in my apartment. Like it just seemed like a lot of things were happening and I can never get ahead. And I really took to my bed. I cried a lot for like six weeks. And I was just saying to you in the car on the way here that I have sort of come out of that feeling like I'm going to have to fight for every fucking inch that I get. Right. That That is the setup of my life. So I can either sit around and cry like, oh, I married the wrong guy. Or, you know, I have a kid who has special needs. Or, you know, I am not getting the career success that I want. Or, you know, and I can list all those things. Or I can just accept. Because then when I list those things, I'm like, I am a person with bad luck. I am a person who is not fated to have the things that I want that's that's where it goes and that's that's a fucking terrible place to like stay mentally you know to just be like I am fated to not have the things that I fucking want I mean I I I feel this very strongly in terms of like I mean when you break it down like that it's kind of like so for example when we're talking about my relationship with my husband um you know I remember having a friend who's like oh my god well you're already in a relationship like you're you know this is so great for you blah 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 I'm feeling jealous about it a little bit and me having to say like yeah, but that's not like what happened, right? What happened was like I was in a relationship where I was domestically abused and like raped several times. I was also in a relationship where like men cheated on me. I was mm-hmm. in a relationship. So like the sense that th- that good things can't happen after all those things feels very hopeless. Mm-hmm. But I also think the reason that I feel very privileged and kind of lucky to be in this relationship is because of all the things that happened before it. Right. right. And like there from just that, that kind of story, it's like, well, you're fucked Elizabeth. Like nothing's going to, nothing good will ever happen right. to you. And I still sometimes feel that way, but I also think this is where guru Gomez is going to come out. Oh shit. This is the, this is the power of gratitude. This is where yeah. like you have to stop and go. These experiences are experiences that happen to a lot of people. These are experiences that even though they happened to me did not define me. These are experiences that even though they happened to me will not dis- determine my fate and my future. You know, these are the things that can I can use to build on to be better mm-hmm. as a person and to find joy in the life that I do lead, which yeah. may not be full of luck and may not be that easy to do. Yeah. And I will have to fight and scrap. I was told that from the moment my mom was like, you need to get a job at 16. Like, yeah. and don't ask me for anything, you know? So it's, it's, I think it's more of a testament of strength than it is about like 
having bad or good luck. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, you and I have talked about this stuff a lot though, because it's like sometimes like when I be crying about like a rejection or whatever, I'm like, I just want like one fucking thing in my life to be easy, to like just come together. And I don't understand why that doesn't happen. And I can like hear my other bestie Taylor in my head and she'll be like, Adrian, people don't get what they deserve. Like, <laughs> Like she gets so annoyed with me because she's just like all these things you believe because like live, laugh, love. You read them on a bumper sticker like it's not accurate. <laughs> well, I mean, one of my one of the best things my mom told me as a teenager was she's like, you know what the problem with all you Americans are is that you think you should be happy. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh my God, the freedom in that statement yeah. and also the devastation. Yes, I learned that from my friend Jessa too in, um, when I was in graduate school. I was just like, why are you rolling with all these hits so easily? And she was just like, girl, I grew up poor in New Hampshire. I never thought that like I was going to have anything or anything was going to be good. And I was like, wow, as dark and very freeing. Yeah. But you know, it's interesting because I would also say that I like to twist destiny to like the idea of it to my advantage when I want to like I feel very fated to have met you and felt like that was something that was supposed to happen in my life I 100% believe that yeah I feel like I'm your bubba to your forest <laughs> why I gotta be forest well because I'm the person of color uh, fine <laughs> And it's interesting because I'm like, well, I feel very blessed in the friend department. I'm like, you know, overly so. I feel like I have relationships with people that are deeper than some people's marriages. You know, 100 percent. I feel like that's a very like guiding light, special thing in my life. But then I'm like, well, bitch, why can't I have some luck someplace else, too? <laughs> <laughs> well, I also think these things are the in, in terms of um of a like destiny and fate is that we don't know that we don't know what it is right so you're having building blocks that maybe occurring yeah. that leads you to this place I mean when you talk about fate of our relationship it's like I spent my whole life in a mar well not my whole life but I spent I was in a marriage with a person who's bipolar and very very difficult to deal with and like raising these two children on my own being scared to give my kids to their dad yeah you know like and I never knew anyone who knew that yeah so like but I would not have been able to become friends with you. And I don't mean like we trauma, because I don't think we trauma bonded. But when I first met somebody who looks like you, blonde and blue eyed and definitely with it together, wearing Ugg boots and driving your Forester, I was just like, I was like, I can't be friends with this chick. But then when we started talking, it was like, well, no, because I mean, honestly, Adrian, it was, I was like, she's above me. That's how Aww. I felt. And so being able to talk to you about, oh my God, now I'm going to get emotional. <laughs> Give, give the people what they want, Elizabeth. <laughs> like being able to talk to someone about a life experience that I had that no one else had yeah. was so much relief. Yeah. Like yeah. so much freedom and being like, wow, I'm not crazy. Yes. I 100% feel the same way. And it was... I, it, it's so hard to even describe. Like if you have never had to give your child to someone who you think could injure them right you know or could whether on purpose or just by negligence and this is like a fucking toddler you know the horror of having to do that and live with that and the guilt of it and the fear it's a very specific thing and so to, I always felt like people I mean people didn't understand <laughs> <laughs> and 
you had no way to express it because there's no. also the shame that comes yeah. with it, right? Yeah. Like, why did I marry this person? Now I know that they're kind of loony, but also no one else knows it, but yeah. I know it and we have this agreement and I can't do this thing and now yeah. I got to do this thing. It's like being able to find someone who you're like, oh, we get it, you know? Yeah, so in that sense, I'm like, yeah, fate and destiny played a part in bringing us together. I mean, because we're bonded on a lot of other things. But For there's sure. definitely this sort of like recognition we have in terms of experience that I don't have with, you know, all millions of other people. Yeah, and it, it creates a different, it keep, creates a depth to the bond that yeah. I think is not possible for other people. I mean, like, again, like Dan, Lieutenant Dan and Forrest, like, you know, they hadn't gone through that experience together. Yeah. And even like at one point, Lieutenant Dan is like, I've never thanked you for saving my life, Forrest. And then he doesn't thank him. (laughs) Then he throws himself off the boat to go for a little swim, which is adorable. Yeah. It's as close as he's going to get. But like even that scene is really like, you know, that that is an experience that those two men will have together and no one else will ever have that experience together. Yeah. They'll know no one else will know that kind of thing. I have that even with my roller derby friends. Like the first year uh gals that I first and second year gals that I had when we started the roller derby, like we are bonded in a way that is all about experience and like how we were able to overcome a bunch of things together and no one else is going to be able to be that for us. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But sweet. Like, should we, should we go on to talk about the, the disability issues with Forrest? Sure. I mean, the one thing that I really wanted to note about that. So my son is neurodiverse and um, you know, Forrest's mom is constantly like, you're no different than everyone else. Like she says it over and over again. We read about it in the opening and this is her main thing. And Okay, great. This is the 1950s, right? So it's a lot, you know, 70 years ago or whatever. Um, and I was thinking about how things have changed in terms of recognizing neurodiversity and how we um, acknowledge it because my son would be really fucking pissed if my vibe was always like, you're just the same as everyone else. <laughs> he would be so fucking pissed about it. And it's interesting because I do think sometimes that is my vibe. Where I'm like, we all have challenges, like we all have things we have to work on. Because I do feel like as his mother, I'm like, well, what are the options? You either have to like accept that you have things that do make things more difficult and you have to like show up and deal with it, you know, or you're just like, well, you know, I can't do it. I'm not going to do it. So it's interesting because he would be so mad if my oh whole my thing. Yeah. We, we talked about this with, because um, my, my, my youngest is also neurodivergent. And so like one of the things that we talked about this with Dead Poets Society last week was like, if you were to force my kid to like, try to come up with a poem in front of a group of people yeah. they would like they would completely melt yeah and I think you're right like it's an interesting thing like you want to have that kind of hope for them you well, know because it's empowering you're yes. saying like I mean Forrest's mom really d- in the way it plays out in this movie she empowers him to have the life he has yes exactly yes. um but in reality that's not how it's it's, it's spills out and yeah. I don't I also don't think that the kids that themselves are even they they are always like I'm not normal I'm not normal what's wrong with me what's right. wrong with me and by actually saying well you're not 
you're not like everyone else. They actually do feel empowered, which yeah. is the irony of that, yeah. you know, yeah. where they're like, oh, yeah, okay, now I understand a little bit more. I am different than other kids. Yeah. You know, um, I also think it's interesting to talk about when we earlier when we were talking about Jenny is like she is completely disabled, even though physically she's yeah. not disabled. Emotionally. Yeah. Yeah. She's completely disconnected to her trauma. She's d- disconnected to like the people around her. She has no relationships yeah. and she spends a lot of time struggling through that and I think that it's interesting to set that up against a person who is intellectually disabled yeah and then you put in Lieutenant Dan who is physically disabled and so I think the interesting thing is that if there's like a message it's that everyone needs to go get a therapist because (laughs) honestly because shit works out the worst for Jenny you know like Lieutenant Dan moves through his physical disability I mean obviously he's emotional at the very beginning and like a little suicidal doing a lot of drugs but then he gets on the boat and he you know he gets his life together and Forrest you know he's not that smart but he has this great life but Jenny it it's not good like the time she's away from Forrest are really filled with like it's fraught you know she's doing drugs she's suicidal she's with men who hit her yeah we see that happen a lot of over and hitting, over yeah. again you know she's constant and she's a searcher you know she's a hippie she's moving all around the U.S. like searching for something that she doesn't get and then she fucking dies <laughs> That's really just a woman's story. (laughs) Yeah. But I think the point, I don't know that the authors and, you know, I've heard that the book is different than the movie. So I don't know how deliberate it is. But it does seem like if you were trying to, like, make a thesis about this, that you would say having, like, emotional pain is the worst kind of pain to have. I do think that that is probably an accurate count in in terms of, like, you can't run away from your brain. Yeah. You'll never be able to run away from your brain and then yeah. the, the things that haunt you. Yeah. Um, but overall, I actually like the movie. I <laughs> loved it. I cried numerous times. I cried at Jenny's grave. I cried when Little Baby Forest. I mean, you know, I also thought, like, as I said it up top, that there's been some backlash against this movie and that, you know, perhaps it was because it was racist or, you know, I think actually the backlash is about how fucking earnest the movie is. See, I think I think that's where we diverge. I didn't I actually didn't cry about any I'm sorry you guys, my voice is kind of off and on right now because I was sick this week like everyone else. But she's taken three COVID tests. <laughs> taken three. It's safe. Yes. We hope. We don't know. <laughs> One was a PCR. So <laughs> um, <clears throat> So the, I think the thing that to, to remember is like where you, where you call it earnest, I feel like it's so, it is like very like white America thinking. Like it's just very much like, here's this guy and he stumbles into all these things and then it's like all these great things happen to him. But the woman, you know, all these terrible things happen to her. The person of color, he dies. <laughs> like, yeah. the woman, you know, like not, like it's actually not, not great in a lot of ways. And while I find the story very easy to slip into this magical thinking and this like, place of escape and like sweetness and I love the campiness of it the campiness is like unbeatable yeah um I love all he those things part of imagine with John Lennon <laughs> yes I know I'll very they have cute. no possessions <laughs> I don't know sometimes I think though that we're like <sighs> I was gonna say the woke police but then I was like don't be the white person saying that <laughs> but <laughs> I do 
do think sometimes we are in a place where anything that is too sweet or too earnest or too much, like, I mean, this is a movie that is about sparking feelings. It is supposed to make you feel Yeah, it's very sad purposely manipulative. <laughs> but stories are supposed to do that. I mean, you're supposed to be upset when Bubba dies and when Jenny dies. And, like, you're supposed to cry when fucking Lieutenant Dan is fighting God on the, you know, on the mast of the shrimp boat. Like, I, I think we is a society are like pushing back some against like anything that's like sweet. Yeah. I think though that was backlash back then when it came out too. There was, no. yes, there I were articles the about internet. that. Yeah. I, I, I did well, see good. it on the You internet. can share it on the Instagram. <laughs> yeah. You can share it with our, our viewers. So do you think you're going to continue seeing Forrest Gump the way that you've always seen it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I gave you Heather's. I gave you fucking 16 candles. I gave you, I let you ruin all these movies. <laughs> This movie, I think, I think it's reflective of a very, a certain place in time. I think Forrest stays on the right side of racism. I think he stays on the right side of sexual assault. I think he even stays on the right side of the war. Yeah. So, you know what? Keeping it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say that I, I would, if I'm in a room and they're playing Forrest Gump, I'm sitting down. Good. Yes. So I mean, you have a heart. <laughs> I do think if you take it for what it's worth for like just kind of this like silly movie with like this soft story, I'm totally into it. When you make me think about it for our podcast, I got to be like, no. Yeah, don't don't watch it and start breaking down. (laughs) When did Jenny get the AIDS? You know, because I, I know it's when she got the heroin scene. It's you would happens. think, but then does Forrest also have the AIDS? I mean, it's he it's, definitely has it, but you don't know because he doesn't. She, I mean, she should tell him that. I mean, she's basically like, Carrie, so here's my kid with a sick dad. So like, we don't know. Let's not ruin it any farther because now I'm feeling sad. You're taking me to Chipotle. You're my fucking feelings. You're taking me to Chipotle. I've done it again. Yes. <laughs> hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to Wokefield. Next week, we'll be discussing Waiting to Exhale with a co-publisher and co-editor-in-chief of the Chicago Reader, Karen Hawkins. Ooh, I celebrity. love a her. Celebrity. She's also the chief. The oh, sorry, She's also the chief rebel at Rebellious Magazine for Women, the intersectional feminist media organization that she founded in 2012, and the co-host of two podcasts. I cannot wait to talk with her. So excited! And hey, follow us on Instagram at Wokefield Pod and tell us what you think. Do people Harry Forrest Gump because it's so earnest, or are we all just dead inside? We can't even appreciate good old movie magic like Elizabeth Gomez. <laughs> I still love Pet Cemetery with Stephen King. <laughs> you don't know that. We could watch that and that could be a fucking mess. I hope not. And racist to the cats that come what? out and start fucking killing people. <laughs> you guys, don't forget to rate and review us on your favorite podcast app because look, we're old women erased by society Ugh. and we live for the applause. Amplify applause, middle applause. aged women's voices. <laughs> 